Hello, this is Justin Coleman, Senior Pastor at University UMC, and this is our podcast. I hope these messages engage your mind, touch your heart, and inspire you to serve God and your neighbor. Check us out online at universityumc.church. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning, church family. This Sunday, we begin a new sermon series titled, Enter In. Now, over the last weeks and months, many of us have been entering back into spaces we'd not been in for a while. Office places, schools, dorm rooms, in-person worship. But you know, I believe that God is always inviting us to enter into God's presence. And particularly during this time, I believe that God is calling us to enter into God's joy. Over the period of the pandemic, so many of us have thought about the ways that joy has been removed from our lives. The the opportunities for rejoicing have been taken away from us. Well, I believe that in these next weeks and months, God is calling us to remember all the opportunities we have for rejoicing. It doesn't mean that life is always easy. Sometimes we find ourselves in the midst of a storm, but if we move to the center of that storm, the eye of the storm, we often find God's peace. And even though things are swirling around us, we have eyes to see that there are opportunities to have the joy of the Lord, even in the midst of the chaos around us. So this is not just for this sermon series. I, I hope we'll, we'll find ways to rejoice in the midst of this sermon series. But I'm thinking about the next months across the next year. Let's find ways together to enter into God's joy. Opportunities to enter into God's joy. We'll be talking about opportunity today. Uh, one way of Entering into God's joy is the opportunity uh, for generosity. And so we'll be talking about that across this sermon series. As we do so, please go with me to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Lord, I pray that you would speak through me and perhaps even in spite of me. And so let the humble words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. The title for our sermon series, Enter In, comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 25. In Matthew 25, there are a set of parables, and in one of those parables, it talks about a master who gives talents to servants to invest. And for those servants who invest well, the master says, enter in to my joy, or other translations say, come and celebrate with me. So today we want to talk about the opportunity to enter in. The opportunity to enter in to Christ-likeness. Particularly Christ-likeness as it relates to generosity. Now there are a couple subjects that many people don't like to hear 
their clergy person talk about. And those two are money and sex. If you were to take a poll of all Christians going to worship this Sunday morning and ask how many want to hear their clergy person talk about it, how many are just raising their hands at the front of their seat saying, oh, I hope, I hope my clergy person talks about this. I'm willing to wager that the number of folks who say they want to hear a message on one of those two subjects is gonna be relatively small. Why? Those two subjects are ones that we typically hold closest to ourselves. We believe that they are uh, around uh, personal and private decisions of an individual. And so to ask the question, what does Christ's likeness look like in relationship to use of money? And what does Christ's likeness look like in relation to uh, sexual activity? These are not questions that we typically ask. They're not questions that we want to ask a lot of times. But we're disciples of Christ, which means that in every dimension of our lives, we ask these questions. What does Christ's likeness look like related to, and then you fill in the blank. And the hope is that as we ask that question and we discern answers together, those answers would bring us closer to God, and closer to other members of the community of faith, and that those answers would bring us joy as we seek to walk into closer Christ-likeness. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 in the verses that we read talk about being like God as it relates to generosity. But there are also passages or parts of the passage here that can sometimes trip us up. I want to read a part of the passage again to us. This is why I thought it was necessary to encourage the brothers to go to you ahead of time and arrange in advance the generous gift you'd already promised. I want it to be a real gift from you. I don't want you to feel like you're being forced to give anything. What I mean is this, the one who sows a small amount of seeds will reap a small crop, and the one who sows a generous amount of seeds will also reap a generous crop. Now, if you're a person who um, sometimes has anxiety when money is talked about in the life of the church, if your, if your blood pressure raises, if you, if you tense up a bit, this is one of those passages that might make you tense up. If you read on, it talks about God um, enjoying a cheerful giver. And that makes you tense up as well because you think, I, I don't know if I've ever really felt cheerful in this. I, I know that Paul is saying, hey, I don't want you to feel like you have to, but when you say that, I kind of feel like I have to. And then this whole bit about if you sow a little, you get a little, but if you sow a lot, you get a lot. What are we, what are we talking about there? Well, these responses related to money are, are built on our relationship. With money, And sometimes we have an unhealthy relationship with money. Let's, let's take a further examination of what that looks like. 
One of the reasons I believe that we have difficulty talking about money sometimes in the life of the church or our spiritual lives is because how we spend functions as a mirror. In our spending, we see reflected our holiness and even our depravity. And so sometimes it's hard to examine it and, and audit uh, our lives when we consider our spending. It can also be the case that we have an unhealthy relationship or a toxic relationship with money. So how would you know if you have an unhealthy relationship? Well, the list that I'm about to put on the board can function as an indicator. It's not an exhaustive list, but these items could function as an indicator that you might have an unhealthy relationship with money. The first is worry. Worry about having enough. Worry about having enough. You're constantly worrying about having enough. Uh, feeling guilty about spending. Constantly feel guilty when you spend, no matter what you spend on. If you feel that you need to spend to be happy or to enjoy yourself, if you just can't quite imagine uh, having a good time if you're not spending uh, to enjoy the good time. This could also be careless spending. Careless spending or over uh, spending. If you fall for financial scams, ways to uh, get rich quick, um, this could be an indicator. A refusal to talk. A refusal to talk about um, money and finances in any way. And then uh, the final thing I'll put on this list is excuses. Excuses for why you're in the financial situation you're in, why you can't save, all these kinds of things might be indicators of an unhealthy relationship with money. I want to extend a word of grace here because as I've read through this list, in one or more of these categories, you might say, gosh, that's, that's me. And I get it. Uh, I, I've been there. Uh, this is something that I manage uh, in my life. Growing up, there was always uh, financial anxiety in the home. And as my parents worked to make sure that uh, my family, my siblings and I had uh, the best possible opportunities for uh, educational flourishing, which meant we need, need to be in a certain school district. And, and so there, there were ex overextensions sometimes that created uh, these uh, anxieties, all because they believe that education uh, helps to make for liberation in a person's life. Well, that anxiety, um, walked with me, has walked with me throughout life. And it really has been 
focusing on my relationship uh, to faith and finances that has helped to mitigate uh, those stressors. Again, what I said before is that um, how we spend can function as a mirror um, for our holiness, <laughs> but also for our depravity. And I think as a Christian, we use the mirror, try to use it well and, and take stock of life. There are other ways to take stock of life, but this is one of those ways. So allow the grace of God to pour over these kinds of anxieties, these kinds of distorted uh, relationships uh, to money. Allow the grace of God to pour over that audit of spending. And allow God to, to move you uh, to health and, and guide you toward new life. Instead of bringing anxiety, more anxiety around generosity or, or money, what I believe that Paul is trying to do in 2 Corinthians 9 is create a sense of freedom and to demonstrate how our approach to generosity can be like God's approach to generosity. So the context here is that Paul is raising funds for the churches that are a part of his Macedonian mission. If you were here last week with us, Pastor Toby uh, talked about Lydia and the church at Philippi. Uh, Lydia opened her home to Christians, and this began one of the first churches in this Macedonian mission, one of these first house churches right there in the Philippian community, starting with Lydia. Well, again, Paul is raising funds for this church planting venture. He says, this is why I thought it was necessary to encourage the brothers to go to you ahead of time and arrange in advance the generous gift you'd already promised. I want it to be a real gift from you. I don't want you to feel like you're being forced to give anything. What I mean is this, the one who sows a small number of seeds will also reap a small crop. And the one who sows a generous amount of seeds will also reap a generous crop. Again, what Paul is saying here is, I want this to be a gift from the heart. I want you to feel forced to do this. I want this gift to come from your heart. And then he says something that's very plain sense. He says, if you sow a small number of seeds, you'll reap a small crop. If you sow a large number, a larger crop. I don't believe that Paul is trying to judge the level of gift. What Paul is saying here is, well, let me just help to manage your expectations here. Let's speak in terms of a relationship. If you invest a little in a relationship, you expect to receive something in proportion to what you have invested. If you invest a lot into a relationship, well, you hope to receive more from that relationship. It's up to you what you want to do, what you want to invest. Paul is simply saying here is your return will in all likelihood be in direct proportion to what you invest. Everyone should give what they've decided in their heart. They shouldn't give with hesitation or because of pressure. And then 
Paul says that God loves a cheerful giver and goes on to say, God has the power to provide you with more than enough of every kind of grace. That way you will have everything you need always and in everything to provide more than enough for every kind of good work. As it's written, he's scattered everywhere. He gave to the needy. His righteousness remains forever. See, this is where it brings the whole passage into greater clarity. God loves a cheerful giver, the passage says. God loves a cheerful giver because as we see at the end of the passage, God cheerfully gives. God scatters everywhere. God gives to the needy. God's righteousness remains forever. What Paul is trying to say here is that God loves a cheerful giver because when God sees someone cheerfully giving, God recognizes something of God's self. God recognizes something of God's character being reflected from this child of God. For those of us who have children or those of us who have grandchildren, those of us who have nieces and nephews, those of us who are nannies, those of us who work with children, we delight when we see something reflected in this child, something in this child that reminds us of what's present uh, in our lives as well. When we see that glimmer of joy as they're reacting to something, you think, wow, I react in the same way. You, it brings you delight. And so you, you love to see it. <laughs> this is why God loves a cheerful giver. Uh, God is seeing something in God's children that God uh, sees in God's own character. It's not about, hey, you be cheerful as if it's some kind of command. No, it's simply God recognizing uh, a reflection of God's character uh, in us. And so this whole bit around generosity is about being like God. It's about being Christ-like. Generosity is not about what you're going to get from it. Generosity is about seeking to be more like God in Christ Jesus. And oftentimes my reluctance around being generous in the way that God is generous is that well, I'm afraid. I'm afraid to be more Christ-like in this area of my life. What I pray that you will do and I pray that I will do as we journey through this season in our church's life is to seize the opportunity to be more Christ-like when it comes to our finances, more Christ-like when it comes to our generosity. And even as I say that, I recognize that this is not a question that is asked of us often. Uh, this is not a question that I always ask of myself, but I've determined that it's, a, it's an important question to ask. If we ask the question, how can I be Christ-like in other areas of our lives? It's really important for us to ask it in this area of life. It might even be more important to ask it in this area of life because it represents an area that 
we're sometimes afraid or unwilling to ask the question. And so as we move into this week, I challenge you to ask the question. And my hope and my prayer is that we would develop the joy and the excitement around generosity that we see reflected in the very character of God. But because when we look at God, we say, wow, what a cheerful, loving giver. And I want to be like that. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You can visit us at universityumc.church where you can find services, events, and other ways you can get involved. Remember that we love you. We hope you have a great week. We hope the peace of Christ is with you, and we hope to see you soon.